This is episode 24 of Free as in Freedom for Tuesday, March 13th, 2012. Hi, I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This is Free as in Freedom. It's the uh, Fosdem talk show. <laughs> I actually love this particular one that we're going to play today because it really shows the kind of knowledge that was in the room. You know, there's like so much expertise about the legal policy issues in free and um, open source software. And it's not actually a talk. So those who have said we've done too many shows with talks, uh, they're wrong because this is actually a panel. <laughs> You're just laughing at me, but it's true. Yeah, this but I don't know if that's what, the, what people are... It's a panel discussion. I don't know if that's what people are objecting to. I don't know what people are objecting to. I think they're objecting to canned content. It's not canned. We here embrace canned content. It wasn't canned. (laughs) There there were real people recorded with a real microphone. And thanks to producer Dan, who was able to make use of the audio by raising the levels on folks and so forth. Because he used one mic for four people, the moderator plus three panelists. I think he did a really good job. There are some some comments from the audience, but I think that it... It still works out okay. Yeah, in fact, the comments for the audience are, are, are relatively audible, and Dan uh, increased the audio on those, increased the gain on those, or whatever it is you do. Yay, uh, Dan! So so we have uh, a panel on application stores, and the the panelist, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, moderator was Richard Fontana, and there were I was on the panel and a few others, and uh, last time you gave me a hard time about spoiling the beginning, and the beginning introduces everybody, so I won't do that. Great, and we'll be back right after to talk about it. So uh, we are uh, privileged to now have a, our, is this our first panel of the yes. day? Yes, our yeah. first panel. Uh, we, do we have another panel? Yes. Right yeah. patents so, after this. Uh, we have two panels for your uh, viewing pleasure. The first one is on the subject of app stores, app store distribution and free software. Uh, this is a, an increasingly um, important topic or a topic of in- interest to those who uh, are interested in free software generally and those who are interested in free software legal issues in particular. Uh, because app stores and app store distribution is becoming a uh, more and more common way of distributing software, including uh, by uh, free software developers and users of the software released by free software developers. Uh, and uh, maybe, maybe not, uh, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll get into this issue. Uh, th- there may be some special legal issues and policy issues uh, raised by uh, free software in the app store context. And so, uh, with that uh, impromptu introduction, I'm sorry. And should everybody introduce themselves? Oh yes, introductions. So, so uh, let me start with uh, Giovanni Galus. Uh, did I pronounce your name correctly? Yeah. Oh great. <laughs> um, so, so um, I actually forget your your background. Sorry, but but if you could just sort of s- explain, you know, well, uh, your professional a, background and so forth. Yeah. Well, can I do it now or afterwards? Uh, Bradley, what would you recommend? I would recommend you moderate and stop asking me. Oh. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, just very brief- briefly mm-hmm. introduce yourselves. You know, take no more than you know a very brief amount of time. Okay, uh, very briefly, uh, I'm a lawyer. Even if I'm not in a lawyer attire at the moment, uh, I I took the liberty to 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 wear a more proper attire in this place. I deal with uh, 
uh, open source issues in that I dealt with open source issues in the last uh, 10 years and I'm very interested in any kind of field which uh, is uh, connected with uh, internet and uh, freedom. Hugo? Yeah. So my name is Hugo, I'm a member of the uh, Free Software Foundation Europe, um, so active in the legal team and also a, a team for friends. And um, I'm also currently an intern at uh, HP, um, at the uh, Open Source Competency Center, which deals with uh, legal affairs inside HP. Bradley? Uh, I'm Bradley Kuhn. Uh, I'm the executive director of Software Freedom Conservancy, and you heard about some of my work there in, my, in Fontana's last talk. Uh, I'm also uh, on the board of directors of the Free Software Foundation, and uh, I must admit, most of what I know about app stores was uh, research done by Brett Smith at the Free Software Foundation. So, uh, so I, I, I'd like to bring him here in spirit since he's the expert uh, at FSF on this topic. Okay, so, um, and I won't introduce myself. I'm Richard Fontana, but that's not an introduction because uh, I'm just moderating. So, uh, uh, well, let's start with Giovanni. Uh, let me just ask the question just to start off the discussion is, is there anything interestingly different about um, App Store distribution, after all, it's just another form of distribution of software, and, you know, from a repository to a user over a network. So, what what, what is what is uh, different or interesting about this it's, area? Uh, it's uh, I think this is more or less the key issue. Which is, which which is what is the difference between a distribution between a distribution of any kind of uh, software and uh, an App Store. And uh, I think uh, that there are a few uh, issues which ha have to be raised. The first one uh, being the, the huge level of control that the uh, App Store, um, would say, uh, the uh, App Store, uh, the, the legal entity providing the App Store does. Because uh, if you take a look at the uh, app developer, uh, terms, you find uh, a very uh, huge level of control of uh, what an app developer can upload to the App Store and what uh, uh, and the, uh, the end user can do with the app as well. I don't know uh, how many of you have uh, ever read an uh, app developer uh, uh, agreement <laughs> before uploading uh, yeah, panels to, people. <laughs> to people. Two wow. people. That's no, I was uh, uh, coming to one of your examples before, people complaining about the length of licenses. Uh, the uh, Microsoft Mobile App Store Agreement is a 14 pages uh, document and I cannot manage to count the words because I don't have an Adobe Word Count application on my Android. But that's the only reason. I guess uh, if you talk about uh, if you talk about length, uh, I mean that uh, this would rule out any uh, kind of clarity of the license. But the big, uh, the big point is that uh, uh, any repository uh, or just a repository of software uh, does not have uh, a degree of control while app stores have. And when it comes with particular app stores like the Apple app stores, App Store. In that case, the degree of control is very, very deep. Uh, it can do, uh, it can really bind the developer, and it can really bind the end user. So this is uh, the big, uh, the biggest difference I would point out for the moment. Then we can uh, talk about it later. Uh, so, so Hugo, uh, 
do you have views on on whether uh, typical app store terms of use and developer agreements uh, generally conflict with with um, you know all free software licenses? Is it just copyleft licenses or just the mm -hmm. GPL? Um, is that is that um, obviously that that's there's a perception that there is that problem? Do you have? Well, it really depends um, on which app store you're talking about, mm -hmm. because there are really um, aspects that uh, projects should consider when they want to distribute their app on some uh, mobile device. Um, all app stores are not equal, definitely not. You can, well, the first step is that some app stores clearly don't want uh, free software in there, or copyleft. For instance, um, I think it was uh, one year ago, uh, Microsoft um, had uh, some app store for Windows uh, mobile phones and they had a section uh, about excluded licenses. So all licenses that could not be uh, in, uh, in the app store and it was just explicitly excluding um, GNU GPL, uh, Mozilla Public License, etc. and so on. So, well, that's the first step. Uh, some are clearly incompatible because they don't want free software. Now, some of them, it's not clear. We have a big problem that a lot of app store terms do not acknowledge the existence of free software at all, which is kind of surprising because, well, um, if you look at the, the leading mobile uh, opening system right now, which is Android, it's mostly free software. And if you look at app stores, um, if you don't count uh, compliant or non-compliant uh, apps on app stores, you have a majority uh, sometimes of um, free software there. So non-acknowledging the existence of free software is the second most important step. And the third step then is to have uh, an agreement that will not conflict with um, free software licenses. You can have different kinds of conflicts. You can have uh, conflicts because there are restrictions on use of the software. You can have conflicts because of restriction on distribution. Uh, for instance, um, Apple um, end-user agreements when a user downloads an app on the App Store from Apple, they agree to not um, distribute the app on more than five devices, which is clearly something that GPL is not in spirit uh, allowing. So, well, we can argue if it's um, making a legal conflict. Does it mean that you cannot uh, distribute GPL on the App Store? Maybe, uh, but anyway, it's uh, not clear from Apple terms. But we see sometimes um, that uh, it's easy to fix, like because it's all contracts. So if they just say in the contract, you have this kind of limitations, but if you use free software licenses, then you're exempted from these limitations. And then yeah. all restrictions can kind of magically vanish. So that, that, that raises a question to me, uh, I mean, I think sometimes when we've been discussing this issue, or when I see, I mostly follow the Free Software Foundation's discussions, and, and maybe Bradley, I don't know if you've commented on it independently, I guess maybe on your uh, podcast or mm -hmm. podcast you have. Uh, is this, I mean, do you think this is, uh, where, assuming that, that um, some of these uh, app store terms of use and, and so forth uh, really do conflict with licenses like the GPL, is this intentional? Uh, is this a, an intentional policy decision? Or is it simply an error made by lawyers at the company in question not considering the possibility that some developers might either want to distribute under a free software license or might be 
including software that is based on, uh, say, partially on uh, GPL, upstream GPL software. Is so this intentional or? So, or so I, I, th I think I, I have to echo what, what Ugo said is that there's, am I saying your name right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I think I have to echo what he said is that there are uh, different people doing these types of app stores, which means that they have different motivations. It's clear, everybody knows that Microsoft clearly intended to exclude GPL because they literally wrote that in their license, so it's, that's pretty obvious. I think it's probably a mixed bag with others. But I think you, you, you made a big assumption in your question, which is assuming this, that, and the other thing. I, I think we have to question the assumptions here. As you might guess, I, I agree with everything Hugo and Giovanni said, but I think it's one of these situations where we're looking at the symptom of a disease and we should consider what the real disease is. So I want to make an analogy. If you consider I I getting your software, like going to a supermarket or a grocery store, what's the role of the supermarket with regard to what food you're able to pick up and buy? Well, they're just a place that collects it. They find vendors that have stuff and they collect it in there. You go in and you can find it. And I live in New York City in the United States, which means I have very limited selection. I have to go to different stores to get different things because they don't have them because they're so small in large cities like that. Uh, but the, I don't have to agree to any sort of terms of service or conditions or details to be involved uh, with going in there to buy stuff. Uh, my purchase is really, if I have a problem with the product, I have to go directly to the vendor, not to the supermarket in, in most cases. Uh, so unless there's something like it was opened and I take it back, but if it didn't taste good, I just have to go back to the vendor. And this is pretty much how our distribution of software has historically worked. If you consider Debian as the largest app store in the world, it just distributes the software to you. It's a venue. It makes uh, editorial selections as to what it has, and it puts things in different bins. There's the main, and there's the contrib, and there's non-free, and they have policy reasons why they put stuff in different places. But there's no extra agreement, more or less, with Debian. I think what's happening here is a number of large corporations have made a decision that they can have more points of control over software by putting all these agreements and requirements on what you can do. And so when we look at the, oh, they conflict with free software license, oh, the terms and conditions aren't very good, that's looking at a symptom. I think the main problem is, is why are those who are just carrying software, carrying bytes from one place to another for us, providing a venue, why aren't they acting more like supermarkets and, and, but, and, but instead they're acting like very, very unfriendly software companies that want to squeeze more control. I think that's the question I want to get to. So, uh, so Giovanni, uh, do you have any views on that? Is it, is it a, an issue of concern about, uh, uh, as simple as a concern about uh, uh, liability exposure by the, by the company operating the app store? That, mm -hmm. that they're, they want to protect themselves from lawsuits, whether, whether they're, you know, GPL enforcement lawsuits or, or uh, patent infringement lawsuits or, you know, <coughs> Is it just an issue of, of concern about minimizing liability risk? Uh, I think, uh, first, uh, I totally agree with the analysis that, that uh, has just been done, because uh, the problem is that uh, app stores are really symptoms, a symptom in general of loss of what uh, Jonathan Zitrain calls generativity. That's uh, in, that fu fueled the, uh, the internet. If you think about uh, the before the internet, like Compus the big CompuServe, A AOL, they were all walled gardens who were just, uh, uh, they just vanished overnight with the advent of the web browsing of the internet, of, the f of freedom, uh, so to speak. And uh, uh, with app stores, uh, I think that uh, 
we will face some problems also because uh, uh, to, to answer your questions uh, the uh, app stores uh, vendors so to call them uh, provide strange uh, contractual uh, um, contractual uh, conditions stating one that they are <coughs> merely acting as an agent uh, of the developer in so that, that why that this is uh, meant of course to avoid any kind of liability but on the other hand they put on a contractual agreement uh, as i said before a huge degree of control on the app those conflicting <coughs> uh, state those are conflicting statements you cannot be a mere agent and then control what i do it's a nonsense just to put it not uh, <laughs> just not to put uh, in uh, in uh, juridical term <laughs> yeah. uh, this would raise some i think some serious issues about liabilities and intermediary liabilities and uh, they should be addressed uh, in uh, in courts and of course uh, in this case the uh, the answer would be as we uh, heard this morning maybe uh, it may there may, may be some intermediary liability issues but the main problem is that uh, uh, we have to be aware of the issues we have to be aware of the fact that it's a different environment and uh, maybe we should have to find a way to react to this uh, environment uh, if it's not possible to shape it in a way that is compatible with uh, uh, open source licenses I think it's just uh, it's uh, interesting that uh, you started with this comparison with um, um, AppCat and like repositories that we have, uh, and I think, well, they have some they share some uh, common points. Like, I mean, we users of GNU Linux have enjoyed uh, for many years that we have distributions taking care of uh, security issues. We have uh, signing keys that we to make sure that the repository is secure. We have. Um, we trust Debian uh, packages to, to be compliant with the licenses, etc. So we have enjoyed this. And so what I want to say is that um, App Store kind of makes sense also for um, general uh, users, mainstream users, because <coughs> they get software from a place where, well, they have some security control. It's provided by a company, not by, not, not by Debian. It's a company providing it. But still, they, they have some um, trust over where the software comes from, etc. On the other hand, I think we have to clearly define what we mean with app stores and wha why they are clearly not the same as um, a, a distribution repository. And um, well, one thing is that app stores are here to um, to provide software, but the software is provided by third parties. Then what it means is that they don't uh, want to they don't have the same vision over the the software that a distribution could have like i mean if you think of debian debian is clearly um an operating system with some some vision in it and it's not something that app stores want to provide then app stores are um controlled by an entity which is um usually a corporation and it's all it's almost always in connection with uh, device, so I think it's the, the 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 point here is that it provides a channel of revenue for the app store operators and for uh, app developers, and we can say that it could be uh, maybe I don't see why it would not be a good way for free software projects to get some money and donations from mainstream users. 
So oh, I, I think, I'm, I'm I not think the makes sense. Oh, and I'm not objecting to the idea of putting up a site which provides the service of shipping bits to you and some sort of editorial process of deciding, which is more or less. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I think the I think the the comparison, if you will, is apt. <laughs> Because I think you see that with lots of people doing that, with providing their own repositories to Debian and so forth, sometimes mm -hmm. not in the vision of the operating system. So you can use that software in that way and has been so used by various companies. Uh, uh, Canonical set up their own app store using Apt. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so it, it has been used in that way. I think the danger, and this is true with Canonicals, as it is with Apple's, as it is with uh, with uh, with Android and so forth. The the requirements, adding these additional terms and conditions. I think that's what you're you're getting to, Giovanni. Is that is that is that there? You don't to do that business model. You don't actually need to add this other stuff to it. You don't need to add these terms and conditions and so forth. It could be much thinner. The reason they're putting those in is to push a control point. And that's when you point out that they're, Ugo, that they're controlled by corporations. The corporations want to put these squeeze points. And of course, Apple is well known for being the worst at putting squeeze points. And not surprisingly, the iTunes plus all the other things you have to agree to to even get to their app store are by far the worst of all these. I'm just trying to call into question of why are we tolerating this at all? I think we should be saying, wait a second, let's set up free app stores. There are people who have tried to do this for Android. They've had tough time, volunteers who tried to do it just to do it as a voluntary thing to get free software available for Android, for all Android devices, and they've had trouble getting users and so forth because, of course, Google has a control point of pointing at their own app store, which itself has problems too. So I, I think I, what I'm trying to do is call into question, why, why do we say, well, we have to have the app stores as they are and respond to them? Well, yeah, we have to respond and say why they're a problem, but when we talk about the problem, we should say, well, the, ups, the main problem is that they exist at all in this way with terms and conditions that are very strict on both sides. But is it realistic to expect uh, that model to change? I mean, you, you may get uh, more free software friendly versions of these terms. Maybe Androids are better in your view than uh, Apple's currently. But uh, is it really? So I guess you're saying that we should, we should have um, in independent app stores. Yeah, your, your question sounds very much like what people said to Richard Stallman when he started the GNU project. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, proprietary software business models were the only ones, and he started a project to answer that. I think that's what we need to do with regard to application delivery for devices. It, yeah, there's a question from the audience. Why is, uh, is the discussion framed around app stores and not just content providers? Because it's the same Agreed. for uh, digital readers that you get books only for the yeah. same thing. True. Yes. Is yeah. it something special about the software that we're talking about, or is it just common? Well, that's, is, is there anything uh, specific to app stores, or is it more generalizable? I think it probably is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it is a larger phenomenon. I think I think that uh, the uh, the issues could be the same as long as as Hugo pointed out the app store or so to or so to call is connected to a device or a series of devices and there's an entity which controls the, the device and controls the entry point. Well, I, I think that's not so much true in Android, right? Because there's so many types of devices that are that run Android. It's not tied to any one specific device. It's tied to one specific platform for yeah, platform, yes. devices. In the beginning, sorry, if I don't know. In the beginning of the mobile business, you could only download ringtone from your service <laughs> provider. Right. right. So maybe we're at that point of history mm -hmm. now, and mm -hmm. we're moving towards having more providers. So, in th thinking about solutions to this, one, one thing initially occurs to me that I have noticed, because I have looked a little bit at um, 
the Apple um, App Stores, uh, uh, you know, and what is actually the kinds of uh, programs that are actually distributed. Uh, very often they have some kind of reference to legal information. It, it seems like it's sort of a non-official non kind of license, but sometimes they say, ah, this, is, this app is licensed under the GPL, source code available at GitHub repository. Is this sort of, are developers just not aware of the issue, or are they actually trying to kind of circumvent these terms and finding a clever way to get around them by saying, well, you know, you know who, who knows what, what the actual licenses for the app as distributed through the official channel is, but you can always get source code from our repository. I have seen a number of examples like that. Is that a, a, a good approach to the problem? Is it even sort of an, an intentional one, or does it seem like likely that it's just based on a, a failure to see the, the possible conflicts between the terms and the, and the licenses? Well, in that case, you assume at, at first that the developer is going to, has knowledge about what the GPL does, and is going to comply with the GPL, understand what the GPL means, etc. So in spite of all the uh, troubles that um, the process of submitting your app is, is, is making to the developer, in, in, in terms of uh, not complying, in spite of all that, is willing to comply and provide source. So I would take the problem for, from the other end, which is at the App Store, um, there should be a better process to make compliance easy. They should, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be very difficult. They, they can just say, all right, so you want to submit an app to the App Store. So first step, right, is it open source or is it free software or is it um, proprietary software. If you click free software, then well, you have different steps. Like, is it uh, copyleft or not? Do you want to provide source and then they can host source? I mean, mm. there are different technical uh, issues that the the app store operators could put in place to but make compliance easy. They could, but they're not. They're uh, very unlikely to do so because all of those agreements all con contradict free software licenses, particularly GPL, in various different ways. And even Google, who's generally friendly to free software, has such contradictions because they have, in their minds, bigger fish to fry. They're more concerned about generating the revenue and, ge and, and creating these stores. And I think, I think that we need to respond to that as a free software community and say, well, we want to make free software-only app stores that you can get at and then try to give an advocacy campaign to get people to add it to their device so they start using it. If we write enough applications that are on those app stores, we can just circumvent the whole system like we've done before in the free software world. So there's a question. No, it's not. That's not yeah. exactly true. For example, the Intel App App Store. Yeah, it's an on, unknown one. You start by selecting your license. If you mm. select your license and you don't, you don't upload your source. It does not allow you to validate the thing. So it's doable. And Intel App App. Well, but how does it know the source is the right source? Uh, it's, they do some checking. If you try to upload uh, any source, it just rejects. I tried. That's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, well, we have an, another question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th there's a particular problem with the um, things like the, the very wall garden where the even user can't escape, which is that mm -hmm. that's kind of opposed the whole point of free software. Yep. Which is mm -hmm. that the person who received the software is able to take a modified version of somebody else that they or somebody else made. And well, the GPLv2 doesn't prohibit that, but the GPLv3 does. And so, if Apple were to actually make it really possible for GPL E3 apps to be on the App Store, they would blow open their whole crazy censorship nightmare. Well, but it's so, uh, so strict, GPLv2 aren't allowed either on apps on, yeah. on that, or, or, or Android yeah, for that matter. They could be. They could. 
No. Well, no. Apple no. could write a license, they could write the terms and conditions for the App Store so that GPLv2 would be allowed, but they can't write the terms and conditions so that GPLv3 would be allowed and still keep their users under lock and key. Because the whole point of the GPLv3. Yeah, well, it depends on what you mean by lock and key, because there's lots of locks that they have mm -hmm. as well. For example, the applications aren't allowed to do certain things, and so of course, if you're oh. if you're uploading a free software yeah. thing, it's it, it, it could do yeah. all sorts of different things. Okay. So I, I would suggest one thing yeah. that I think I'm quite optimistic mm -hmm. that we can fix the agreements to make sure that the incompatibilities can be um, dealt with. Oh, the optimism of youth is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> if you well, call me. You, but yeah. if you just read the okay, Apple updates the terms from time to time, it's very difficult to keep track of the changes, but um, two months ago they changed the, the iOS developer terms and you now have a paragraph where they are mentioning if you um, upload an application under new GPL, then please comply. Which, okay, doesn't make sense because it's very difficult to comply. It's and impossible. You, and you so might say <laughs> please do the impossible. And you might say it's not, but, but still they say you, you, I mean, why would they have a paragraph saying if you uh, submit GPL applications, no. then do comply. It's GPL, it's false. It's false. Yeah, but there is an explicit mention of new general public license in the paragraph. Yes, there is. Th they do that. They, they no, oh, they're not trying. They're just no. trying. They just want to make it super guard. Yeah. Just wanted to point out that as the end user, the end user does is uh, forbidden to uh, circumvent reverse engineering. They compile yeah. the software. So, I mean, how does this uh, comply with uh, right. uh, GPL uh, requirements? Right. It the, doesn't. The, the I mean, Apple's pathological yeah. hate of the GPL means that the only reason they put that in there was just to confuse the whole issue yeah. and make you think that you can upload GPL stuff when you can't. They would like to have GPL applications, <laughs> but no enforcement on them. Uh, and that's why the whole VLC thing happened. Oh. And, th and that's probably an answer. Th they're adding that as an answer to the VLC thing to hope they can convince developers to upload useful GPL v3 apps, but then hope that no one will realize that they're automatically out of compliance with the GPL just by uploading. So speaking of VLC, uh, John Sullivan of the FSF had a comment. Yeah, well, it was quite your mention of the signing thing, like you can't make a modified version and install it on your um, device, which is why I think that mobile application stores are different from just like the bookstore. Because you know, as bad as the Kindle store might be, you can at least put your own PDF on the device, whereas you know Apple's rules prevent you from doing that with a, a program that you might have. But right now, technically in the US, you have an exemption to where you can jailbreak your device and install your own stuff on it. Mm -hmm. um, and I just wanted to encourage people, because February 12th, uh, I guess maybe uh, not, you know, people in the US can write to the um, government to ask them to extend that exemption because it might be expiring. And people outside the US will hopefully continue, since a lot of uh, rules about DRM and stuff are modeled um, on the US's terrible DMCA. You know, pushing for those exemptions in other countries too would be a big you know, blow against the control of apps. So uh, with mm -hmm. Android phone, I think you can install application without rooting. Yeah, it. that's correct. It yeah. depends on the device, but yeah. it's often uh, correct. Yes. So it permits GPL v3 because uh, mm -hmm. I think you can modify the application and the world scene. Right, but be, be clear that there's two different ways to install yeah. things on Android. One is well, actually there's three different ways. One is to use the Google App Store. One is to add your own URL for a different App Store, and the third is to just install a, install a package using like a USB key, USB yeah, uh, cable. And all three have different implications. The problem with the Google one is the Google terms of conditions don't allow you to upload GPL software that you've derived from because it requires you to give a certain license to Google that you can't give if you're not the, sol the single solitary copyright holder. So even if the 
even if the distribution later would be in compliance, you can't, as a developer, agree to the terms of service and put a derived GPL program up onto the App Store. Yeah, but it would be possible if they change the license uh, term. Uh, agreed. I mean, I mean, I think, and Ugo's point is correct, and I hope you succeed. Um, I mean, I hope you convince, I mean, I think Google will be the first place to try and convince them to fix it, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. Um, and I think they, Google might fix it, maybe. Um, but uh, but that's that's the thing, is we're, we're in this weird situation where we have to advocate back to these people to get our rights back that we just are handing away by saying, well, we're just going to use your app store. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm advocating for doing free software app stores that don't have these kinds of terms at all. F-Droid. Yeah. Uh, was that? F-Droid. Yeah, for example, F-Droid market. You're going to say something? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, any uh, concluding comments, Giovanni? Well, uh, just just to conclude, uh, I I just wanted to point out one uh, one uh, other issues more than concluding <coughs> that uh, there is not much uh, uh, um, awareness of uh, the problems of compliance with FOSS. I open log there was last March an open logic research which pointed out that uh, uh, like. Uh, um, 71% uh, mobile apps uh, with uh, uh, false code do not comply with license terms. So it's two thirds of false apps do not comply with license terms and they are uh, available at app stores. I'm not suggesting uh, to enforce uh, uh, any GPL violation in that point, but we should have to raise an issue, we should have to try and address the issues, maybe not uh, by uh, um, by building a free, only a free software only app store, but uh, um, uh, lobbying as much as possible to have uh, conditions which uh, are uh, in favor of any kind of uh, force. Hugo, any closing comments on the issue? Um, hmm difficult to give conclusion on that. Um. Or Bradley? <laughs> uh, I, th I, I think that uh, we should enforce against people violating uh, GPL everywhere, and in particular on app stores. I'm grateful that the VLC developers uh, led the way on that and hope others will. And uh, I think that uh, going back to begging for people to change things, letting Google and Apple and everybody else to be in control of how we distribute our software and then beg them please to let us do it in a way we want to, uh, that's antithetical to free software. We should do it our own way uh, in a way that fits our ideals of software freedom. Well, I think it will, it, it will be very difficult uh, if, I mean, because of the connection with devices and devices being produced by big corporations. So I think because of that, it's going to be very difficult to have uh, mainstream free software um, apps only. Okay, so I, I think uh, we are now out of time. So I want to thank our panelists. Uh, You should comment since I was on that panel. So you should say what you thought. I should comment. I mean, I thought that, well, I mean, obviously, I think largely I agree with you. Um, I think it was really, I thought, I think it was a good panel that, you know, had, had brought forth the issues. Of course, you know, it would have been really cool in retrospect if we had gotten somebody from one of the companies that have, you know, that, that have these app stores and promulgate these user agreements.
I think the only the one panel. we would have been able to convince to come would have been Google to talk about the Android situation. And I've talked with Google about that problem that the the Google Android Store terms of service have, and it, it's somewhat in, unsolvable because they're they're afraid. On the one hand, I mean, I think I, I think I understand their position to be basically. On the one hand, they don't want to just be a common carrier because they want to do editorial control and decide mm-hmm. what's on the application store, and and that's I mean that fits with my supermarket analogy. I mean, supermarkets decide what products they're going to carry, what products they don't. That part doesn't bother me. The problem with that is then they have a liability. And that's the, the extent to which they're, they're, they want this extra license because they are afraid that they're taking on liability by having an application store. And I'm not that I'm an apologist for them. Um, I just think the answer is we don't want these things right. controlled by companies. That's the main problem. And that's, yeah. I mean, I think problem. your point about it being a point of control, I think that's absolutely correct. And I think that's how this functions. I had a really interesting, just to give my own anecdote to this since I wasn't on the panel, even though I was in the room. I think my own experience with this is that I, you know, I agree with the comments um, by the other participants that it would be so easy to, edit the um, the agreement such that um, free software could be included and respected um, such that I uh, I had called one of the the major app stores um, I don't I think I won't name them but um, but I called there's only three to choose from I know it, 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 and it's and probably it's not, not Microsoft Google. and it's probably not Microsoft I'm not saying whether it was Microsoft <laughs> or Apple but um, but I called them and said you know I think we can make some really minor edits to your app store agreements and 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 be able to distribute GPLed applications rather than you know you being inadvertently out of compliance or or, or any of this stuff um, and the first conversation the first response I got back was that sounds great. Um, I'm, I'm not the right person to talk to. I spoke to a lawyer that I knew. I'm not the right person to talk to. I'll get you the right person. Let's have this conversation. Great. Um, and then the response that I got ultimately was a phone call in the middle of the night. Like not even just simply, you know, uh, you know, an East Coast, West Coast thing. It was, it was like the timestamp was like midnight or something like that when they knew I was not going to be one of the morning, not answering my phone. And it basically said, Oh, uh, I'm afraid I can't get back to you on this. Um, I would love to talk to you about these issues uh, and to hear your views as an interested, um, as an interested attorney in the, um, in the open source world. Um, but I wouldn't be speaking officially on behalf of my employer. Well, then the, that actually kind of explains the timestamp because they probably called from home to make it clear that they weren't calling on behalf yeah, of Apple. Yeah, I think they also or really, whoever it was, I think they, or whoever Apple. it was. I don't, I don't think they wanted to. I, I think that they, they just didn't, didn't want to talk to me because I would have pressed them, and I mean there was nothing for me to call them back. I mean I wasn't going to call that lawyer back and say, well, here are all my views. I mean, yeah. what a waste of time. Well, they can listen to our podcast and hear our views. Yeah. <laughs> um, if they really want to know. Yeah. What I mean, but they, we, we've, we've been, there's been enough out there that they know what our views are. I mean. Yeah. And so, and so I, I think that, that, um. So it's a conscious choice. I mean, it's not like this inadvertent. I mean, I mean you know? and, and it's naive for us to believe that we're actually going to get the changes we want. Even Google, who is probably more friendly than most, uh, that they had to draw a line there for reasons that make sense given that they want the control point. And if they don't want to give up the control point, they need that extra license more than likely because then they need to cover their own worry about liability. Um, so it, it, I think it's, I think we have to just rethink all of this and say we want free software yep. application stores and encourage their adoption. And it, it, this is an easy thing to win. I mean, it's not easy in the sense that, that it won't require a lot of work and advocacy, but if we have written a lot of great GPL applications for Android and 
we have a free software repository, it will be the thing people add first when they get an Android phone. Yeah. You can say, I don't, I, I want other, I mean, and the, and the Android has done this right because even in lockdown phones, you can say, I want other markets and then add the URL to the market. Right. So, um, so you do have to make a, a, a positive step to say you're not going to be stuck in the Android. I do have to say market. it's been a pain not having an app store um, for, well, for so, software and, for and my phone. It means that I rarely add any software. Yeah. Well, I, well, I don't, why don't you just do it with APKs? I do. It yeah. just... It just takes time. It just you just plug in a USB cable and, and yeah, I know it just takes time. I mean, like it's just I have to think about doing it. Well, so actually, there's don't. not many applications to add anyway. There are some. There's like twelve GPL. I mean, there's not many. That's a lot more than I have actually yeah, on my well, phone. I mean, some of them you might not want. Some of them might not be features you need. Yeah. So it's it, there's not many for for Android phones. I guess so. if I did it a few times, it wouldn't feel like my main pain. problem is is that I run old hardware, so um, it's. Some of the stuff We're running the same run. hardware. You're running that. So it's a lot of stuff that yeah. doesn't run. Or it doesn't run well. It runs slow. Even yeah. K9, which is the email client, runs yep. really slow on that phone. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to stop using it until it breaks because I don't want to. Or until Google gives you another phone. Um, that's what happened in the past. Yeah. I mean, you're, actually, you're no, so that's adamant about going out there. That's about... not true, actually, because Google, I have another phone waiting in the cupboard that was a gift from Google that I'm not using because I'm waiting for this one to break. Then I'll use that one. Uh-huh. And then that way I, I don't have to I, – I get the maximum out of but all phones. But isn't that phone the same phone that you have? No, no, no. I have, I have a Nexus One in the cupboard. Oh, oh, oh. I thought there were other Google. reasons why you weren't interested in using the Nexus One. Well, the, my main issue I now thought that is it that wasn't. I thought that it wasn't uh, – wasn't it a T-Mobile AT&T issue? No, I, ha- I actually have a T-Mobile and an oh, AT&T do. one because they gave me two. And so, oh, how nice. Well, because they, gave, they, gave them, they used to give them away a lot. The, uh, the problem is, is that – is that I don't want to produce more stuff mm-hmm. or f- cause more stuff to end up in landfills than I don't need to be in landfills. And also that every phone I get, so some slave in have... Shenzhen has to make it for me. So if you have the phone sitting in your closet, what's the difference between switching to that phone and using it until it breaks and then going back to the older phone that you have? Oh, you, oh, you mean I could switch and then go back? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just easier to, to, to stay on the same I mean? phone. And then, like, yeah, I mean, I could be, I could be switching back and forth. Because you already have that phone and by not using it, I mean, you're... No, I'm just saving it so that, I mean, I'm probably set for phones for the next decade. But That's what if the there's, thing. but what if there's like truly a, a new, you know, sort of like a, like an open moco style successful free software phone wouldn't you switch to that well like if i mean there's a fully if it oh you mean if the gsm uh-huh. software doesn't uh-huh. run on one of these i don't know what i'll do about that that's a tough question because that that would mean that the harold you're basically saying harold's gsm stuff runs on some phone and it's not one of the ones i currently have in yes. the cupboard um if that happens it'll be a tough decision because then i have to decide between slave labor and shenzhen building something for me and um and free and free software on the GSM chipset. That's a tough choice. I mean, that this is the problem with our electronics. Yeah. We, should I mean, pay no, I mean, more. I, I, we should pay more for our electronics. It's true, true. I actually also have not. I mean, I also have, have used all of my phones until they've broken. Um, and that was true of the phone that I, I was using. It was already broken when I switched um, to this phone. It was barely usable. Um, although, um, yeah. I'm going to link to this. That this I was going to say, although I did have that open Moco, and I think it, it was sort of broken, but it wasn't really broken. If people don't know what I'm talking about with regard to the Shenzhen situation in electronics, knows. does everybody know I yet? Everybody I hope, knows. But then why, why aren't people changing their behaviors then if they all know? Well, there aren't great options. 
Well, but, but it's very easy if we slow down our consumption, right? Just at least slow down our yeah, consumption. Yeah, I think people know and they don't really care. It's really sad. Well, I'm going to link to the This American Life story that, that I heard that, that was probably the best explanation that I heard of the whole situation. And people can listen to that from cool. the show notes. But uh, that's why I'm, I already was preferring for landfill-based reasons only buying used hardware and so forth. And I've been doing that for years. But, um, and when, when I had influence over policies, I, I tried to influence organizational policies to do that too. Um, and then unfortunately I worked for organizations that just didn't care enough. Um, and just, uh, you know, basically told me that I was, uh, that I was holding everyone back because they couldn't have new hardware. Um, whatever that means. Um, the belief that you need, a, a you must have certain hardware to do your job. I, I think it's, if, if all you do is edit documents all day, right? like I edit emails and documents all day. I don't even compile anything that often. And mm -hmm. if that's all you do, I, I don't know if you need new hardware anyway. But anyway, so I've always done that, but now I'm But if you're watching both. a lot of videos. <laughs> well, the vi well, the thing is... is Which a lot of people do. The MKV files, I think, are slow on older hardware, but um, like, like if, I guess if you really want HD, but who needs, who needs HD? I mean, nobody, I'm with nobody, you. Nobody needs HD. What are you but, talking about? Uh, but I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I don't want to close myself in because I might actually want a new mm. phone later. I mean, I don't because I, I haven't in a long time. I tend not to acquire I mean, new things. Why do you need watch videos on your phone? I don't. Way? I mean, obviously. people, why do people need well. to? It's, like it's like it's give me convenience because give me how death. how do you show people otters holding hands when you're um in the park and having a conversation otters don't have hands don't have. so <laughs> so this is not about anyway, application great. stores well i think i just i i think actually the pa the panel pretty much speaks for itself i don't really have that much to add okay personally so i mean i and i already said what i was going to say on the panel so if I just added things, I'd be saying things that I already said on the panel. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed that panel. And we've got more from Fosdom coming. So uh, you better get used to it. <laughs> well, maybe we'll record another episode in the middle We're of We're not going to do that. We're just going to get through this Fosdom. So you know that. But the, the Fosdom stuff is good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not I saying don't... it's not. I just uh, There's some good content here, people. Agreed. Great. So they better agree with us. If but not, let us can, know. They can stop. They can we stop like listening. hearing. Uh, I guess. Yeah. But. Or you can stop listening now that we know we have more than three listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and you can just wait. I could check the website until the Fosm stuff is over. We have three listeners in Sri Lanka alone. <laughs> but if they don't like the content, they could wait for the Fosdom That's period true. to end and then come back as listeners later. So maybe you should just do that. But thank you for listening. Free and Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of Pod Factory and can be found at podfactory.org. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This episode of Free and Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States license. You can follow Free and Freedom, Bradley and Karen, on Identica and also read Bradley and Karen's blogs. Links can be found on the Free and Freedom website, faif.us. That's faith.us. <laughs>